Amen. I said, that's good stuff. Now, you know what's amazing to me? Amen. Go ahead and bless the Lord. Thank God that the Lord has blessed us to attend the church with some faithful musicians, talented people. Amen. Even though I got a new name for our music minister, Big Willie. Whatever. Amen. Great job today. Great job by the choir and the singers. Amen. Praise the Lord. I just want y'all to know, I'm waiting for somebody to get out there. They may be going to get in water, but y'all can tell them later. I want you to know that Brentson Davis wasn't nothing more than a teacher and a coach whenever uh, we found him. And now he's a bona fide singer of praise team. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, I like how the Lord does a lot of things, but one of the things that I've always been just amazed at, and uh, I've shared this before, that I don't, I purposely, unless the Lord really, 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 really lays uh, a song on my heart, I purposely uh, don't influence uh, very much at all. On a very, very rare occasion will I request a certain song be sung. And I'm amazed at times how the Lord leading, and I do this purposely because it shows how the Lord leads, how the Lord leads uh, Pastor Josh in a direction that just the songs that are sung just go so wonderfully along with the word of God that God has given me to share for that day. And today, that certainly is the case. The last couple of songs we sang, and uh, that one too certainly certainly goes along with what we are, are about to share today. Uh, we're going to begin with uh, a passage of scripture out of 1 Peter. Uh, we're going to read verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, then chapter 4, verse 12, 13, then James, chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4, and then we're going to go to Daniel, and I will explain to you why we're going to Daniel. Don't forget, we have service tonight at 6. We have another special word we feel like the Lord has given us, but I'm excited to be able to share with you this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 Now, writing in the New Covenant, uh, the Apostle Peter said that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. He went on to say in chapter 4, Beloved, think it not strange, Concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now let's go to a familiar passage of scripture in James. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, which simply means many various, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect work. And the word perfect often translated in the New Testament not only means perfect, it means complete. And the Lord uses that terminology to talk about whenever he finishes things the way he has planned. So let patience have its complete work because when it is finished, You may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, facing the fiery trial. Facing the fiery trial. Going to 
the trials that James talks about and that Peter talks about, but Peter even uses it in the terminology, the fiery trial in 1 Peter 4 and 12, the fiery trial, which is to try you. Now, one of the things that, that I want to share before we go back into Daniel is something I want you to, to kind of get in your mindset. And not only for today, I, I, I wish that every Christian would, would understand the, the power of revelation that comes when we look back at the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, through the eyes and experience of the New Covenant or New Testament. In other words, the, the stories which are real that we're about to read in the Old Testament happen just as it's written, but you see them in a whole new revelation and a whole new light and a whole new importance and a whole new meaning if you'll understand that we're able to take the, the new covenant that we live and dwell in to look back at the old covenant and see a deeper meaning than just the story as it happens. In other words, that is totally biblical what I'm saying because the word of God lets us know in Ephesians, to give you an example, in Ephesians chapter 6, and you know this, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, powers and darkness, etc. Amen? So we're able to take that and then look back at the physical battles fought by God's people in the Old Testament, Old, Old Covenant, and we're able to apply spiritual New, to, new covenant principles and understanding that because we understand that those physical things that happen under the old covenant represent something even deeper that happens to us in the new covenant. And so <clears throat> we have the opportunity and the privilege today of looking back to Old Testament or old covenant stories and, and uh, things that happen in light of the new covenant that we live in but not only do we have that opportunity or that privilege, I believe we have the obligation. And so taking uh, what Peter said about fiery trials, that we're going to go through them, that we don't need to, uh, to be alarmed at them, that James tells us there's a purpose in it, that God will perfect us, he will complete his work in us only as we go through these trials, uh, then we're going to go to one of those trials that certainly is a fiery trial that you know about. And we're going to study some principles today that I think is going to bless us tremendously. Let's go to Daniel chapter 3, verse 10. Daniel chapter 3, verse 10. Thou, O king, has made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut. Now, y'all, I didn't take time to realize what a sackbut was in the, in the uh, King James Version. I reckon that's where somebody sat on a beanbag and played something, I don't know. The psaltery and the dulcimer and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee they serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now, there's a couple of things I want you to look here. First of all, in verse 12, you see the terminology gods. Now, one of the things that, that we need to understand, and believe it or not, this still happens in most of the world today, is people have a difficult time believing in the one God that we serve. If you recall even your lessons when you were in high school, and some of you still in high school, 
you studied some of these ancient cultures. I go back to what we call Greek mythology. They're all kind of gods. And when we go back and we see when the children of Israel were delivered out of Egyptian captivity, that when you look at it in the depth of it, every one of the ten plagues that God sent to plague Egypt not only was to show or to punish them for not letting God's people go, but every one of them had to do about defeating a specific deity or God that Egypt worshipped. And here we find the same thing in ancient Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't worship just one God. They worshiped many gods. Now that's going to come back at a very important thing in just a few minutes. So keep that in mind. And when it says that you've not worshiped the golden image, if you take the measurement in the King James Version and you multiply it by today's standards, you see that there was a golden image 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. And here, Nebuchadnezzar gives out a decree that the playing of the music, whatever, whatever time of day it was, that everybody must bow down and worship that image. And here he, he receives a report, and I want you to remind you that this is the book of Daniel, that these three Hebrew boys were taken away from uh, Jerusalem, captive by Nebuchadnezzar when he conquered Jerusalem, along with Daniel and many other wise young servants. And so these three refuse, they're holding true, that they understand that their God is the God, one God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so whenever the the sound plays, they refuse to bow down and worship this 90 foot by nine golden image. Then Nebuchadnezzar hears about it, and in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said to them, is it true? O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not you serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sit on your butt, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kind of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast that same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace." What a wonderful example in the Old Covenant of the fiery trial we speak of in the New Testament. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? My, my, my. He shouldn't have said that, should he? Now just write this gold nugget in your spirit and understand this. One of the chief reasons that you will prevail as a child of God is if you follow God because the challenge against you, the trial that comes against you by the devil is a question of the authenticity of the power of your God. Understand that. I'm going to say that again. It goes far beyond you, my friend. If you have surrendered your heart and life to Jesus Christ, and you're a child of the living God, then anything the devil sends to fight you is a challenge to the power of your God. Amen. Now, the big difference is, The Hebrew boys understood that and they reacted that way. We need to follow the example, amen? Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, I love this, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, you can huff and puff, but you ain't gonna blow God's house down. I gotta take time to answer you in this matter. I ain't got to mince words to answer you in this matter. I ain't got to worry about the answer. If it be so, 
Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known unto you, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should be heat the furnace one seven times more than it wont to be heated. And he commanded that the most mighty men were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them in the burning fire furnace. And then these men were bound in their coats, their hose and their hats, their outer garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's pretty hot, isn't it? These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound, into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said to his counselors, did we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered to him, unto the king, true, O king. He answered and said, lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fire furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you servants, he changed his tune at it. Instead of who is that God, who is your God, you servants of the most high God, come forth and come hither. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth in the midst of the fire and the princes, governors, captains, the king's counselors being gathered together saw those men upon whose, upon whose body the fire had no power, nor was in hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel, and we won't get into it this morning, but when you see that terminology, that almost always is a reference to the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ himself. And delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own. And now Nebuchadnezzar, therefore I make a new decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. I'm going to say that again. There is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Lord, touch and anoint the preaching of your word. The first thing I want to study, just six very quickly principles about this power of, of, of this story that fits in the new covenant. What do we do whenever we face the fiery trial is understand what these three Hebrew boys did. And number one, we must understand that it's a challenge of adversity. It's amazing to me, and when I say amazing to me, lest I would try to pass this on you, 
It's amazing to me, those that are closest to me, like Beth, for example, could tell you this, that I absolutely rebuke myself so many times because as much as I have served the Lord, as long as I've been privileged to serve him, as many times as I have seen him move miraculously, I still act surprised or get down when I go through a trial that I wasn't expecting to go through. Sometimes I catch myself acting like it's the end of the world and wonder why in the world, does this sound like Christian? Does this sound like most of us sitting here, be honest with you? Why in the world, and this is, and I know it's most of us because this is the first thing that happens whenever people come to me and they're going through something. About nine out of every 10 times, you and anybody I've ever pastored and myself, whenever I talk to my wife or my closest friends or whatever, when I go through something that's terrible, the first thing we do is we say, why in the world, as much as I've served God, as long as I've lived for it, I've tried to do right, preacher, I have. I don't know why in the world God would allow me to go through this. How many of you plead guilty? Amen. That's right. Amen. Use our first reaction. And when we do that, we've got, uh, we've got temporary spiritual, scriptural amnesia. Because we forget the passages that we shared from the Apostle Peter. That said, you're going to go through them. We forget what James said. We forget what Jesus said in a way of comforting us. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. Peter would go on to say, or uh, Paul would go on to say, brother, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and 12, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So instead of it being a sign that God has disappointed in us or has forsaken us, we ought to take it as a positive attribute that God loves us and trusts us enough that he's allowing us to go through something that's going to bring us out the other end better than when we went in it. So understand, child of God, from now on, as you walk the way of faith, that trials and tribulations Troubles, heartaches, situations are part of the process. Now, there again, lest you frown too much, how many non-Christians do you know that don't have troubles themselves? Amen? Everybody has them. Whether you serve God or don't. Amen? This morning, those that stepped out to retrieve the paper out of the front yard or to go deer hunting one last time if it's still in season. I think it's over. Maybe it ain't. I didn't go this year. And by the way, nobody brought me in deer meat and that's another subject for another time. But, <laughs> but they felt the breeze of the cool wind just like we did yes. on our way to church. Yes. In other words, we all have the difficulty of living in a fallen world whether we serve the Lord or not. The difference is that there's a purpose in our adversity. The difference is we have a promise of deliverance in our situation. The difference is we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother and somebody that has promised us that he will never leave us and never forsake us in the middle of the storm. So understand adversity, but here's what happens. 
And here's where the lesson starts. Because in the midst of that adversity, it brings us to an identity crisis. Notice what happens here. Nebuchadnezzar says, you got to bow to my image and serve my gods. Who do you identify yourself with? Understand something, that these young men had been taken out of Israel. They had been taken out of the influence of their family and their friends that taught them to serve the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jehovah that we serve today. They had been placed and surrounded by people who serve false gods. And I want to stop right there just a moment because I'm fixing to preach to you now. Because if it ever fits a day in which Christian people have lived, it fits our day because I hear this so much that you don't understand, preacher, I just can't serve God with all the wickedness around me today. I don't know how anybody can serve God as wicked. People face things today that they didn't used to face. Maybe true in America. But you can't get any more difficult a circumstance than what these people faced. They were taken away from a society that taught them, away from the parents' houses, put into slavery in a society that identified them and tried to change who they were. Yet in the midst of it all, they remain remain steadfast and true to their faith. So don't tell me that you can't serve God. Don't tell me that your circumstances are so great that you cannot still serve God. It's a matter of who you choose to identify yourself with. Let me tell you a part of the story that some people don't know. I talk about identity crisis. Let me tell you about these three Hebrew boys. They were taken with Daniel. Daniel was named Daniel. That was his Hebrew name. And it means judge of God, which is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But when Daniel was taken to Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar renamed him. His name in Babylon was Belteshazzar. Beltus was one of the false gods that they served in Babylon. And it means Beltus will protect the king. Yet Daniel, whenever we look at the book of the Bible, you don't see this is the word according to Belteshazzar, do you? You see, this is the word according to Daniel because Daniel refused to go by the identity that was given him in Babylon. Let me tell you about these three Hebrew boys. Shadrach, which means means Achus is in command. Achus was one of the false gods of Babylon. His real name was Hananiah, which means Jehovah. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has favored Read the book of Daniel and you'll see that. Meshach, which was the name of another Chaldean or Babylonian god, his real name was Mishael, his birth name in Israel, which means who is God, Jehovah is God. And Abednego, which means servant of Nebo, which was another Babylonian god, his real name was Azariah, which means Jehovah has helped. So at this moment, these three Hebrew boys, which are young, which even as children were taken away from their homes and names change 
from Hanani to Shadrach, from Mishael to Meshach, from Azariah to Abednego. They have a choice, an identity crisis. Are you going to let the world in which you live in affect your identity? Are you going to stand up for the God that you believe in? Hello. I can see it right now. I can see it right now. Now, the Bible doesn't record this, but I can just about see this happening. I can just about see this happening whenever they come out of the fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar makes a decree and he starts to promote these guys and said, what in the world's going on? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I can imagine them saying, hold on a minute. From right now on, why don't you call us Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah? Because God just showed you who's really God. We're not going to identify ourselves with the names that you have given us, but we're going to identify ourselves with the names that God has given us. Now listen to me, child of God. Where does that affect us? It affects us because so often the world tries to identify us. The world tries to slap labels on us. The world still looks at us and calls us what we once were. He's nothing but a drunkard. He's nothing but a drug addict. She's nothing but an adulterer. He's nothing but a thief. Amen. But it's time for the children of God to stand up and say, you don't have to call me that anymore. And no matter what you say, God calls me clean. God calls me sanctified. God calls me washed in his blood. God calls me spirit-filled. God calls me a child of the most high God. I'm not going to listen to the terminology that you place on me, but I'm going to believe what God says about me. Amen. And how often do we do that? How often, whenever we're thrown in the midst of the fiery trial, does the world say, they're never going to make it through, and we believe it? Huh? The disease is going to win, and we believe it. They're going to falter, we grab hold of it. But God says different. Amen? You see, 2 Timothy 2.19, the Bible says, the Lord, the Lord knows them. The Lord knows them that are his. Hold on a minute. Get the picture. Nebuchadnezzar is saying, cast into the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Huh? And the Lord Jesus comes down in the midst because he doesn't see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Lord comes to the name of, to the aid of Hannah, Mishael, and Azariah. Y'all see where I'm coming from? In other words, help me, Lord. The doctors may be looking at the test results. Somebody in Mayo Clinic may be discussing your case. And they may put it in a file and say, we need to do this for patient number 76401. But the Lord don't see patient 76401. The Lord sees a born again, blood washed child of the most high God. Woo! Hallelujah! Glory to God. If you don't learn anything else, learn this, that in the midst of your fiery trial, God still sees who you are. And he has still... The world may label you, 
but it cannot change your God-given identity. You understand that? Oh, hallelujah. Turn on the news channel. And the world is labeling us what's wrong with America. And you and I are labeling, understanding the word of God, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. We're still believing that God can heal our land and touch our nation and give us revival once again in the pews of America. <laughs> Hallelujah. The world is saying the church is on its way out. But we understand through the word of God that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Adversity always leads us to an identity crisis. And it ultimately leads us to the furnace. The furnace. Now here's what we got to understand. We need to understand that the enemy is out to destroy us. We know that. Your enemy, your adversary, Peter said... Walk around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So I'm not here to tell you, listen to me now. I'm not here to try to tell you that everything we go through uh, is not part of the process of the enemy trying us as well as God perfecting us. Amen? Amen? But what we need to understand is that the very things the devil wants to use to destroy us, God wants to use to deliver us. Anybody remember Romans 8? All things work together. Hello? Remember, remember uh, Joseph's story? Brothers, what you meant for evil, it was done as an evil deed, but God turned it around. Understand this about your fiery trial from the enemy. God, the devil wants to eliminate you, but God will use the furnace to elevate you the devil wants to use the furnace to abolish you but God wants to use the furnace to advance you amen the devil wants to use the furnace to condemn you but God wants to use the furnace to connect you amen you hear me the devil wants to use the furnace to separate you from God's will but God uses the furnace to settle you with his destiny. Joseph to slavery. God used it to spare a nation. Pharaoh to destroy God's children. God uses it to deliver them from Egyptian bondage. Amen. The lion's den to kill the prophet Daniel. God used it to proclaim through the king that there was only one true God. And that was Daniel's God. Amen. Haman, the wicked servant during Esther's day, made a decree to wipe out the Jews. God used the very gallows Haman was building to kill him. The devil tried to use the cross to crucify the Son of God, but God used that crucifixion as a symbol of salvation for all humanity. He placed him in a tomb to bury him, but, can, but hey, but the tomb is the greatest testimony that he is the resurrection and the life. 
I'm telling you, you may be going through a trial right now, but you need to understand that God is still on the throne and just in the nick of time, if you bow your back and refuse to bow to the idols of this world, then the fourth man, like it to the Son of God, will come walking in the middle of your trial and God will deliver you because he always does. He's an all-time God. He always has been and he always will be. Somebody give him some praise today. Would you stand right now? I'm only half through, but I'll finish it tonight. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit would say, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice, rejoice, because God is still on the throne, He's still at your side, He's still in your heart. And he's still in the midst of the fire. Hallelujah to his name. Would you lift your hands and worship him tonight? Hallelujah. God, we worship you. We praise you, Lord, because you're on the throne. This morning, I oftentimes I I go to different Sunday school classes. A lot of times I go to Brother Dan's, I, but we have some great teachers in every class. But today I went to Sister Kimberly's class. And boy, this is an odd thing. In 2015, had to bring out chairs to sit everybody in Sunday school. That was wonderful. But Sister Kimberly used something that I had seen before, maybe you have. But it was something that Chick-fil-A put out. And it shows different people coming into Chick-fil-A, some working and a lot of people coming in as customers. And in slow motion, it shows their story. In other words, like there was this one little girl walked by age seven, mother died during childbirth and her dad blames her. There's a woman sitting there by herself and she's sitting there eating and it says, husband of 49 years died last month. Today would have been her anniversary. And the point they're making is as a corporation, their way of doing things is they try to cheat, treat people with respect because they realize that every person has a story. And not every one of them is going through good times right now. And I even saw that as confirmation of where we were going this morning. 
because it fit right along with the message today. And so I said that and I used that to say this, that the fact is, doesn't mean you don't serve God. Matter of fact, it may mean that you're as close or close to God than you've ever been. But the fact is, some of you are in the midst of a fiery trial. Some of you came in today with a smile on your face, and I don't think it was being hypocritical that you put a smile on your face. I think it's a matter of faith. I had somebody try to tell me one time, as a pastor, we go through things, and they knew something I was going through, and I walked out, and they like nothing was wrong, and they had been exposed to just some terrible things that went on. They said, don't you think it's hypocritical? I said, no, it's not hypocritical. That I went out there and did what I was called to do and smiled through it. It's a matter of faith. I'm not denying what I'm going through, but by faith I'm believing that God's word is God's word and that God will bring me through it. And so you put on a smile today, not because you're a hypocrite. You put on a smile today because you're believing and trusting God. Amen? And I know that there's an identity crisis going on. The devil is challenging your faith. And the circumstance, just like with this, can you imagine? Listen now. This ain't no easy thing these boys went through. They could feel the heat of the furnace, they knew the decree of the king. They knew the penalty for disobedience. But there's something they said in there. By faith, our God would deliver us. But I like the next thing they said. But if not, we still won't bow. And I just feel a leading in the direction of the Holy Spirit right now. It's telling me that many of you have said, our God will deliver us. But you've not yet got to the place to where you say, but if not, I still won't bow. In other words, but if not, I'm still going to praise Him. But if not, I'm still coming to church. But if not, I'm still going to give. I'm still going to worship. I'm still going to witness. Because God is God. And I may not understand why, when, how, where, or who. But I know. I know my name is not Meshach. My name is Mishael. I know my name is not Shadrach. My name is Hananiah. I know my name is not Abednego. My name is Azariah. I know my name is not Belteshazzar. My name is Daniel. And I will not bow in the midst of the fire furnace. But I will declare, deliver me God or I'll still die preaching and proclaiming your name. Whoever you are today as they sing, bring your trial, bring the fire, and come and bow your back and confess it before God. Lord, I will not bow. I'm here to serve you all the way. Would you come as a statement of faith and sing for us this morning? Whatever you're going through. 
In the let it be your statement of faith of death, you, reign. you reign Jesus you reign Jesus you reign Jesus join me in the altar if you will through every storm and fiery test you reign over the cross and the powers of hell you reign inside the loneliest presence today I didn't get to share the end of it I think you know where it's going there's a moment in the midst of your trial where Jesus is going to show up and he's going to change your perspective all that's going on now is you can feel the heat 
All that's going on now is you can hear the voice of the king. All that's going on now is the bad stuff, but it's you hold on. I'm telling you the day's coming where Jesus is going to show up and Jesus is going to show out. And the moral of the story is even the enemy will end up confessing that God was in control the whole time. Amen. So I want to sing another verse in the course of this song. And I don't want you to act like you came in here. Come on now. Not expecting God to do something. But I want you to give the revelation that you serve the God that is on the throne right now. The God that is in control right now. The God that has already written the end of the book. And I don't know if you bother to look at it, but we win. Glory to God. Come on, sing it like you mean it. a declaration of faith. I serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is God. The only true and living God. He has ordained my footsteps, ordered my days, and written my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing can overwhelm me. Nothing can overcome me. And nothing can stop my Savior from walking in the midst of my fiery furnace. Now give Jesus a hand clap of praise like you mean it today. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. It gets better tonight. Be here at 6 o'clock. Would you bow your heads? Brother Carlton, would you dismiss us in prayer? come to you today. We praise you, Lord, for all thy love and mercy. We thank you, Lord, for thy spirit that's in this place today. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord God, that you will deliver, dear God, whenever we go through the fiery trials. And dear God, we wind up in the furnace. God, you will be right there with us. God, you will deliver. And I thank you, Lord, for it today. And I ask you, God, to bless, to go with us. Keep us in your love and your mercy. And I know that you will in the name of Jesus. Amen.